0: The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: CIO Talk Radio is sponsored by HP Data Center Services, Cloud Computing Services, and Workplace 360 Services
2: are you ready for an
1: instant on world
2: welcome to cio talk radio with your host sun joe gall all comments views and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host guests and callers here's sun joe gall
3: Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Today's topic is cloud contracts, uh, hidden costs and risks. And our guests for today's show are John Engates, who is the Chief Technology Officer with Rackspace. Good morning, John. How are you?
4: Good morning. I'm great. Thank you.
3: So life is going well. Is Are you enjoying golf or are you are still in your office working harder?
4: I'm at hard at work here at Rackspace Headquarters.
3: Alright, there you go. So we also have Thomas Trapler, who's the Director of Software Licensing with the uh, UCLA and Instructor and in Contracting for Cloud Computing Services at the UCLA Extension. Good morning, Thomas. How are you?
5: Uh, good morning, Sanjog. I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me here today. So do you
3: have your life a little more relaxed overall?
5: Uh, well, you know, it, it's pretty early here on the West Coast still, so, uh, but otherwise I'm doing good.
3: Had your pot of coffee? Ready, charged up?
5: Ready to ready to fire away. <laughs> there
3: you go. And we have Tom Struan, who's the Senior Vice President of IS and the Chief Information Officer for Army Aviation Center Federal Credit Union. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing?
6: Good morning. I'm doing great.
3: Very, very good. So uh, life is different for you? Any different or is it getting better or, or, or is it getting more challenging as the business and IT changes around us?
6: Well, I, I, I'm calling from the financial services space, so it's always exciting and fun and a little bit challenging, but uh, nothing worth doing is uh, worth doing if it's not challenging.
3: There you go. I like that spirit. So, uh, by the way, the the topic that we picked up, the genesis of this topic is because a lot of times when people are talking about cloud, while the value proposition is there, from the very offering standpoint, when, when sometimes the devil is in the detail when you start Procuring such services, and some people have expressed paranoia and/or actual, uh, with their experience, said that sometimes SLAs and contracts are the ones where uh, we, we we have challenges in coming to terms with what we want versus what the provider wants to pro- to provide. So, with that said, John, uh, you are uh, the chief technology officer of one of the the well-known uh, cloud provider now it it is supposed to deliver scalability and all the different goodies that is is promised to what degree do you think those goodies are being delivered truly
4: well look i think that there are uh, plenty of customers um, that are that are using cloud effectively they're they're getting the benefits that they um, that they seek you know they're looking for low cost sometimes they're looking for agility the ability to turn things on and off very quickly, pay for what they use—those things are all very real. Uh, the trouble, I think, with the whole thing is that not everyone's using cloud yet. I think that we're just sort of at the tip of the iceberg in terms of how much um, uh, folks out there in IT are using it. And I, I say IT, but you know, it's it's really the um, uh, the the uh, startups and the smaller companies that are using it more effectively because many of them are are 100% cloud at this point. Many of the the new companies that have new applications meant for the web, those guys are the ones that have gravitated to cloud early. And I think it's CIOs, it's the more traditional IT shops that are sort of still at the early stages of cloud computing. And they're trying, you know, really to get their head around what cloud is for, where they should use it, what applications are are primed to go to cloud first. And, And that's just a journey that I think we all have to go through. So I think... Effective use of it is is in pockets. It's being used effectively by, effectively by some, but um, not everyone.
3: so So now with that said, uh, Thomas, the question for you is that as you look across multiple organizations and as you go about doing the research, do you think that we have built something which is like a Ferrari and we want to just go to our offices, which is this, that, which, which in a way means that we have built something which is such a huge undertaking, but the usage of that, is limited to what we currently had been using. Thus, the value or what we place on what is offered is undermined, and that's why we would get into this prize war thing.
5: Um, you know, I think with uh, cloud computing, you know, it's still a new and evolving market space. Uh, you know, kind of piggybacking on what John is saying, and not everyone is in, you know, all the way yet. Um, but I think it's still. Change is still the name of the game. New vendors are coming and going. Existing vendors are continuously changing their services. I, th- I think that's one of the reasons that I, I, I like to think of uh, making sure everyone's an educated consumer of the cloud, even if they're, they're just getting their feet wet. Right. That's why in my class, uh, contracting for cloud computing services, we highlight, for example, the importance of understanding a cloud computer's infrastructure and security mechanisms and practices before you adopt that service. So, going in with your eyes wide open. Right.
3: So, so, Tom, uh, Struan, this is a question for you. When you are looking at the overall cloud adoption, do you think we are,
6: uh, years away from really making the best use of it? I don't know if we're years away from making the best use of it. I think we're years away from making a total use of it. Uh, there, there are still applications, I'll say internally, I've, uh, I've got a mainframe computer, and people have talked about the death of the mainframe for, what, 20-something years almost, and, and here I am sitting in the 2012 with a mainframe uh, server sitting in my my, my in my environment. Uh, to that to that that said, you know, whenever we've gone looked at new solutions, we are looking to the cloud, um, partly for scalability, somewhat for cost control or cost containment or even cost stabilization. But you really get out of the cloud what you put into it, and, and that is that includes your thought process and. And 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 uh, you know, looking at w- how your operations are driven and benefit from the cloud uh, in general. John, uh, if if we were to look at any organization
3: which otherwise had everything captive, and and traditionally that's what's been the case for IT. Now, when we are going to cloud uh, infrastructure, especially with public cloud infrastructure. People are literally giving away their lifeline to someone else. How easy is, is it being made for someone to be able to sleep at night? And secondly, when somebody else is holding your lifeline, how much is, uh, how much are we being like pean counters when you talk about IT leaders versus being an investor and or somebody who says pay more and smile and, and at least let the cloud provider give me what I want. And in exchange, I give them what they want.
4: Yeah. I think, um, you know, I think there, you're, you are putting, you know, responsibility into the hands of someone else, and in, in that way, it's um, you know, it's a bit like you're You have to really trust that other organization to do the right things. You have to have transparency. I think transparency is really the, uh, uh, the the ultimate you know name of the game, I guess, in terms of a cloud provider's um, uh, level of trust that you're going to place in them. I think uh, if you're if you're working with a provider that isn't transparent, you have a real challenge in understanding what. The responsibilities are who's you know who's going to do what? What are the uh, expectations? So we've really, as a company, tried over the years to be extremely transparent, almost uh, you know uh, uh, the extreme end of the spectrum. And I think that helps with the the trust factor. I think a lot of companies, as they start to think about moving IT out of their own data center, out of the the corporate data center, into a cloud facility of some sort or into a service provider, they um, you know they have to really do the diligence. They have to start to think about um, who they're doing business with, what kind of track record they have, uh, what kind of level of visibility do they have into uh, the cloud providers' operations and policies and procedures, what kind of certifications they have. All of that stuff um, you know, plays into this. But on the other hand, I don't think it's all that different than many outsourcing contracts that CIOs have been doing over, over all these years. I mean, we've been uh, allowing other companies to run our operations and our processes and our, our systems for us. In, in outsourcing for for uh, you know decades, and um, you know cloud computing is is a is a new flavor of of that concept. It's it's somebody else running your you know infrastructure, maybe managing your applications for you, and and you know giving it back to you as a service. Uh, but you know as long as you're doing the diligence and you have some visibility and some transparency, I think um, CIOs can get comfortable around it. I think it's just sometimes fear, uncertainty, and doubt that creeps in, but. Realistically, if you do the, work, the homework, you, you can get there.
3: With that said, uh, uh, Thomas, if you look at the trust factor, and one of the things which was uh, put forth by John is the transparency. Is that alone responsible for instilling trust, or is there something to be said about Performance and especially if it's a newer field, how does one have a track record? So it becomes like a catch chicken and egg story, for that matter. That while I can open up my what I'm doing, but I still am newbie, I'm new kid on the block, but I have all the best intent. But does that instill trust?
5: Well, I, I definitely agree. That transparency is important. Um, you know, going in again with with one's eyes wide open, um, understanding what the what the cloud vendors' standard practices, infrastructures, procedures are. But then, ultimately, understanding those and then codifying them in the contract, right? Um, The contract between the cloud vendor and the client essentially tells the story of the relationship between the client and the cloud vendor going forward, right? So it's essential that it captures in there in writing who's responsible for what, who's going to do what, what are the minimums, right? That understanding that you had when you were analyzing that service before adopting it, you've told things, you've been given certifications, etc then you just want to put them in the contract. So everyone's on the same page going forward and knows what their responsibilities are going forward. So what are
3: the typical tenets of a contract where, when you say at least the minimum should be there? So, Thomas, in your view, what should be those minimums?
5: Um, So you definitely want to think about infrastructure and security, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, Perhaps. Um, there's a certification in place, uh, ISO 27001, for example. You know, maybe you make that your minimum. If not, you spell out the elements of that that are important to your use of the service and make those individual elements the minimum. You want to think about uh, SLAs, right? Service level agreements. Think about you know what are the top five to ten elements of this service that makes it attractive to you as a client, and put in their metrics and minimums to measure against to make sure those those are met, as well as remedies if they're not met. Um, you want to think about data, data access and storage and ownership and location, right? Um, as a client, you're now entrusting the cloud vendor with your data, right? You want to know that they're treating it in a secure fashion. Um, where the, You might want to know where they're keeping it so you know what laws are applying to it, et cetera. Um, you want to affirm that you own it and the results of any processing of it. And then, sorry, just a you know, few other elements thinking about uh, this is a long-term relationship, right? Thinking about, you know, what is your cost next year? What happens at the end of the contract? How do I get my data back in what format, et cetera? Those are kind of some of the key categories.
3: So question for Tom Struan. When you look at these uh, different elements that uh, Thomas has uh you know, are listed for us in terms of the bare, bare minimums of what a cloud contract and or SLA can have. Now, can you see this being a common denominator across all industries or certain portions are, are, are relevant to, say, yours, which is in financial services, that it could be different for a retail or a manufacturing?
6: I, I agree with uh, Thomas that there are a lot of common elements. I think there, you know, security is, is definitely one of them. I think every organization, no matter what industry you're in, uh you have certain proprietary data that you may want to keep secure clearly in financial services dealing with other people's money we may prioritize that to you know, to to a certain extent to where you know maybe it, it rates number 1 in our in our, our our matrix whereas maybe someone in the industrial sector may classify it as a number 5 and you know so so it, it i think there are some common elements where you place those elements may vary so, uh,
3: if we were to come back to you, John, and say, if you, as, as you look across the, the customer portfolio, what kind of flavors do you think have been requested of you when it comes down to the, the SLAs and the terms and the pricing models for that matter?
4: Yeah, I think, you know, there's sort of two major categories of customers that we deal with here at Rackspace. I think we have sort of the customer that I would call the do-it-yourself customer who um you know really wants to buy cloud computing cloud infrastructure in a more you know very much of pay as you go i almost call it the the vending machine model where they want to walk up to the vending machine and you know put their money in and get something out immediately uh and maybe you know walk away from that that's sort of the um you know the public cloud customer the very lightweight uh pay as you go kind of a customer then we have the other type of customer that's more of a longer term Uh, customer, they've got a, a very, uh, consistent footprint, uh, in terms of their infrastructure needs. They've got some service and support needs that are ongoing. They want to pay someone to, uh, help them with the, uh, management of the infrastructures. The access to expertise is important to them. And I think the, the needs of those two different customers, uh, are reflected in the contract and in the SLA expectations. So, we uh, we certainly tailor our, expect, our our contracts and our SLAs to those different customer bases, I think, um, because the expectations are different in terms of how they negotiate and how they uh, expect to, um, uh, you know, be, uh, I guess, be compensated for failures and, and things of that sort. We have to tailor those to those different customer bases. And so, f- for example, an enterprise CIO, would come to us and, and be much more likely to want to get into the details of the SLA, be much more likely to negotiate uh, different terms based on what's critical and important to him. He would very likely uh, specify the, the types of things that uh, I think Thomas was was saying that, you know, we need security well-defined. We need certain certifications like ISO uh, spelled out. We need uh, locations and specific um specific you know specific specifications around what the cloud looks like and how it grows and how it expands those are all reflected in in contracts and SLAs that we write and um, again they're very flexible we have ways of, of uh, encompassing things that are very important to one specific industry or one specific type of customer um and then again we on the other end of the spectrum we have sort of the one size fits all that that the uh you know the the, the do it yourself cloud guy needs the, the he just you know many times wants something that protects him but doesn't really want to negotiate, doesn't want to spend a lot of time on it, just wants to get up and running.
3: Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And uh, this is a question for you, Thomas Strepler, uh, that when we are coming in and we are trying to negotiate these contracts, how much is enough, typically, for an enterprise IT leader to, to feel that I got enough assurance and and I can feel warm and fuzzy is there and of course there it cannot be a cut and dry but are there some specific areas in which when you get uh, up to a certain level of of assurance that is provided uh, in numbers and or in terms of how the operations are run which which will allow them to sleep at night but please hold your thought when we come back we'll discuss this more.
8: instant on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP's solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com.
7: We live in an instant-on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here.
2: Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sanjo Gallo.
1: Welcome back.
3: So, Thomas Strappler, the question for you is: How much is enough when it comes to uh, laying out the SLAs, the terms? At what point, when enterprise IT leader can sleep at night peacefully, and also at what point uh, the, the the provider can also live up to the expectations set by them? Sometimes they could get over aggressive, perhaps in terms of giving it away, but then it will be the disaster because they will not be able to live up to it. What what's that fine line? How do we draw that?
5: Uh, You know, uh, in my class, I always tell folks up front, you know, unfortunately, I'm not giving you the the silver bullet answers here, Um, but what I'm trying to do is give you the issues to consider and the questions to ask, right? And the answers are going to vary on a case-by-case basis, depending upon the client organization's unique needs and tolerance for risk, as well as the specific parameters of each use case or project that they're considering moving to the cloud. So what they need to do is think about what kind of data they're going to put out in the cloud, for example, right? And it's somewhere on a spectrum of publicly available data, uh, non-sensitive data, all the way to regulated data, sensitive data, health data, uh, you know, uh, secret formula type data. And then the other end of the spectrum is, you know, kind of the business criticality, right? What's the client's pain point if this service becomes unavailable now, could you make do for a couple of days? A no big deal, or does your business come to a grinding halt, right? The further you are on that kind of sensitive data grinding halt side, the more you need to think about these factors and, you know, make sure they meet your needs.
3: So, Tom Struan, and question for you, what type of an agreement would you like to see and or suppose your buddy cio in another organization was trying to sign something up at what point you will caution hey you are asking for too much this is going to drive the the provider down and they may not be able to deliver on the other hand if you were greatest friends with john and gates and he's signing a contract Mm -hmm. as a provider you'd say you know what you're giving him too much and you may you may fail because of that
6: Oh clearly there's a there's sort of an ongoing battle of sorts. Uh, I think a lot of service providers not all uh for for cloud services they they don't like to, you know, say no to the customer. They want to deliver everything. And 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 that's clearly not entirely possible. At the same time the customer wants, you know, every they want the moon, um, they want the stars, but they're not really necessarily sometimes uh understanding that all they're going to get is the moon. And uh there there is that little bit of conflict. I always caution you we know, we've done a number of cloud deployments here and I always caution other CIOs, other credit unions when they talk to me about going out to the cloud for a service. Uh the number one thing I tell them is uh de- clearly define your expectations and try and live within them. Don't 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 come back later on to the service provider and say, "Hey, we thought this, you know, this was going to happen." Um, really define what you're trying to accomplish. And then live within that. And then later on, it's clear it's it's perfectly fine to go back to the service provider and say, Hey, have you enhanced your service in any way that we can expand X, Y, and Z? Uh, but 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 a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, my my peers they do go in with blinders on and think that they're going to get the stars and and really all they're going to get is the moon.
3: So so Tom again, the follow-up question to this is like. We've typically seen that CIOs have a specific idea or IT leaders and their lieutenants or a group who's working, which is working on get, procuring the cloud services have an idea of what, what they want. But then comes procurement who wear a, a flag on their chest just because they were able to save a nickel. And there something could be lost in translation. How do you prevent that from happening?
6: That question is for who? Tom. Tom Struan. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, well, I think one of the things I prevent that from ha- ha- happening is um, we, when we draw up our contracts, we, we draw up all the key points uh, first inside of our our uh, uh, team, and we sit down with our legal counsel and look at how we want the wording to be structured a little bit. Then, when we get that, well, then we when we work out the cloud services agreement, we look at see how closely those two items mesh, and then work out a, a, an agreement with the cloud services provider to to you know uh negotiate any uh, uh unclear points. And there are sometimes when the cloud provider comes back and says, look, you know, we just don't have that capability or we're gonna have to sacrifice a little bit on this particular item. And as long as we know that up front, we're fine. I think most CIOs you- are in the same boat. So John, when you are say
3: on the provider side,
6: and and uh,
3: depending on what the case is, at what point would you say no to a certain item, and what would those items be when it comes to provisioning under the contract?
4: Yeah, well, look, I think um, cloud computing. One of the the key tenets of cloud computing is that we've got a lot of standardization within the platform. We've got some very uh, specific choices in terms of hardware and and um, uh, you know, it's, it's a menu. It's, an, it's a menu that is, is sort of well de- predefined and it's well, uh, uh, well defined and I think what we have to do as a provider is keep um, the CIO or the, the buyer from trying to uh, t- take cloud computing and customize it too much or take it and, and try to turn it into what he's all, had all along in his own data center where he's had ultimate flexibility, ultimate choice, any brand, any model, any piece of equipment or software that he wanted. I think cloud computing. The, the reason we can save money in cloud computing is because we've gone to a bit of, of standardization and automation, and things are, are are prescribed a bit more. And I think that is a, a bit of a challenge sometimes for a CIO who's had a uh, you know carte blanche in terms of, of being able to choose everything. And so what, one of the things we have to say no to is sometimes that that uh, that request that comes across that you know the customer wants this or that. He wants it. Uh, black or red or, or painted white with stripes. And I mean, we just can't do those kinds of things within the cloud computing. The good news is that Rackspace as a company and I think some other vendors in our industry, they do have, um, I guess, degrees of what, what are, are what is considered cloud computing. I think from a CIO's perspective, it depends on, you know, maybe what kind of a CIO you are. Sometimes cloud computing can be defined as anything outside my data center that I pay for as a service. I, I think... Uh, if you are a silicon valley startup i think cloud computing means i pay for it by the hour and it you know it scales up and down you know in in those very fine grain increments but many cios nowadays really look at it as just some way to get infrastructure out of their data center stop paying for capital expenditure start paying for operational expenditure and and get that uh, you know uh Get that sort of flexibility and agility that, that that they're looking for. It doesn't necessarily have to be pay as you go, pay by the hour. And so when you when you put it in that context, there is a degree of customization that can be done. There is a degree of of tailored, uh, bespoke type offerings that we can offer to customers that um, uh, you know that that maybe aren't quite fitting the, the you know the purists' definition of cloud computing, but certainly are a lot more cloudy than what a CIO might be doing in his own data center. So we we don't have to say no to everyone, but we do have to say no to the guy that wants us to to really customize and tailor the public cloud.
3: So uh this is for Thomas Trappler. When you are going out and trying to have uh these these students being taught and or at the same time talking to a lot of providers and the uh you know the enterprise IT folks who are trying to uh, procure this service. What is it that they feel they should be getting, which they are not getting today, when it comes to uh, an equitable uh, distribution of, on one side, provider gets what they want in terms of the right number of dollars and and uh, the terms, and on the other side, enterprise what's you know enterprise what it wants.
5: Oh, um, well, you know, I, I was teaching uh, in the Midwest last month, and and one of the participants in the class asked. What contract provisions should I not ask a cloud vendor for? What one should I just not bother? And my response was, you know, the only things you shouldn't ask for are those that you don't need, right? I, I still think, since the cloud is a new and evolving market space, that uh, if the clients don't tell the cloud vendors what they need, the vendors won't know how to align their services with their clients' needs, right? I think it's new on both sides. Not all vendors understand every client's needs. And, and it continues to evolve, and as clients speak up and share the same needs, I think vendors can uh, understand those and try to, when possible, tailor their services to meet those needs. And, and in some circumstances, and distinguish themselves amongst their competitors in that way.
3: So, Tom Struan, question for you: When you're going in as a buyer, do you really think, or is your community thinking as the enterprise CIO that I really need to be equitable, or you're just going out there to get a bad deal? Is it more a price shopping? Or is it uh, value, but at the same time keeping interest? And I, I'm not trying to generalize, and I'm not saying that you're doing price shopping. What's the trend out there?
6: Uh, I would say that amongst most of my my peers that I talk to, uh, price is a consideration, but is by far not the most most important one. Uh, you know, I, in, in, in in my line of business, reliability and security are are, are key. Uh, we you know we got to keep the lights up uh, no matter what and that means you know that between certain hours uh w- we've got to have certain functions available i'll, I'll give you an example uh, phones you know we we go to the cloud for our, for our, for our phone using sip trunking and it's not a new technology it's not a really old technology It's a mid level technology but those phones about to have to stay up no matter what uh, it's, a, it's a member service uh issue for us and and uh, uh you know, that's just you know part of the the, the industry that we're in. Uh, so, but we didn't necessarily look at that as a cost savings. In fact, I would tell you that there really is no cost savings for us in it. we did it because um, the cost of deploying a, a diversified infrastructure using traditional telephony is just just phenomenally uh, a challenge. But also the, the physical infrastructure managing that, aside from a cost view point of view is, is a challenge. So we went to the cloud and it's been a great decision for us but we did not go in with blinders on. We knew we weren't, weren't going to be able to uh, have everything that we had before, that there were going to be some sacrifices and that, you know, but in, in reality we, we ended up getting more than we had before because just you know, the the, the you know, very small incremental cost to add a certain feature uh, is, is available in the cloud where it wasn't available By deploying our own own infrastructure.
3: Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, John, uh, the question I'd like to put in front of you is that while you are asked uh, for the moon as a provider, that you give me anything that you can, and then, of course, they will talk to you about pricing and reliability and everything. But I'm sure there are many times... Uh, the failure and or lackluster performances, not only because of a provider, there could be some, uh, you know, contribution in a negative way by the very enterprise which is procuring it. So, what are those? Where would you, if you had a choice, go and tell some of your customers, guys? If you want me to, uh, my my organization to really deliver up to your. Uh, expectations, then these are the five things I would like you to make sure that you do within the organization. What are those? But please hold your thought. When we come back,
1: we'll discuss. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, Blackberry or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, Blackberry App World or Android Market.
7: We live in an instant-on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers.
8: We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP's solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant-on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com.
2: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sanjo Gall.
3: Hey, so John, uh, as I posed a question before, the companies want the world from you, but at some point, you also could perhaps tell them this is what they should be doing differently.
4: Yes, yeah. So I think uh, that you know, RackSpace um, as a company, we've really tried our best to engage with customers early in terms of their cloud strategy. We have a uh, we have a group here at RackSpace that does advisory services. They spend time with customers up front, and they try to Figure out with the enterprise working hand in hand what kinds of applications are ripe for the cloud, which ones are not so good for cloud computing today, which ones may be ready uh, down the road. I, you know, my sort of quick and dirty advice to a CIO is that any application that's in in a state of change or potential change, any application that needs a refresh or uh, the infrastructure needs a refresh or uh, there's you know there's updates happening, those are the ones that you should look at as a potential move uh, to cloud computing there's really no reason to go and you know look for applications that are that are steady state um, that you know that don't really have uh, any change underway it's sort of like if it isn't broke don't fix it kind of mentality but there is a lot of change going on at an IT department all the time there's change there's you know new application patches there's updates to software there's hardware that's failing or, or end of life and those are all opportunities for an evaluation of cloud computing. And then when you take an application and you sort of evaluate it against the cloud, you sort of can, you can use a, a fallback strategy. You know, is it is this application ripe to go to software as a service? Well, maybe not. How about platform as a service? Uh, you know, possibly, but maybe I need more customization than that. So then infrastructure as a service. If it doesn't work against infrastructure as a service, it may work well in a uh, hosting environment with a, a dedicated private cloud, or, or maybe a, um, a private cloud on premise, or, or maybe it just stays put. And I think those are all options that a CIO has to sort of weigh when he's looking at a, a move to cloud computing. It's not, you know, all the applications all at once. It's got to be done in a measured uh, way and, a, and, you know, sort of a, uh, you know, a, a, a pace, pace yourself kind of an approach.
3: Now, um, with that said, Thomas Trappler, this is the question I would ask you. When you are looking at these uh, enterprise IT folks and you are uh, teaching folks who are students, and I'm sure you're also being called upon to talk to executives and providers, what is it that you found them to be doing, which could be the very reason sometimes, or their mindset could be the reason why they are facing more problems than others?
5: Well, you know, I think one of those areas where – there's always two sides of the argument. Is thinking about if something goes wrong, right? Who's responsible for the costs, etc So indemnification, limitation of liability, right? You know, on the client side, and you know, I negotiate these as well as, as well as teaching, right? Um, client wants 100% indemnification. Anything goes wrong, all the costs are covered, right? Um, you yeah, know, I would tend to think that if any vendor gave you that right away, right off the bat, you should probably worry, right? <laughs> um, because any vendor who could indemnify all their client base for all situations could be out of business if one, one sort of data breach comes up. And none of us wants the vendor to be out of business, right? They're our partner. We're, we're going forth. We're dependent upon their service, right? So you need to find a balance in that indemnification
2: area.
3: So, um, so when we come back and uh, when, when we actually come back to this point where the CIOs want the most, and the providers want to provide the most, but they simply do not have the ability given the price point of the negotiations are, are, are forcing them to cut corners. Who comes to mediate that? Uh Tom Struan, your, your uh, question for you here, who should come to mediate that?
6: Cause there could be stalemates, isn't it? Oh goodness. You know, that, 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 that that's a pretty challenging question. Um, yeah, you know, when you're dealing with two two different parties sometimes you know if you're talking talk about the expectations from like internally from another operating segment of of the of the of the, of the enterprise and maybe a cloud provider and yeah, then i then 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 clearly the the information services area would get involved and in try and uh, mediate that but if you're just talking about uh, an i s uh, driven uh, 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 you know decision and 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 then the third party sometimes that gets a little bit challenging so we tend to really try to drive that through a third party mediator, uh, an independent, uh, person. We try, and we all, always try to make sure that we have those, uh, clauses in our contracts and have, and, and we, sp- we specify a mediation service in the con, in our, in our contracts just because, and, and it's not necessarily one that we pick, but we find that that, that really has helped us out in the past because we, we go to the cloud for a lot of our, uh, infrastructure even and, um, We've had hiccups like that and it's just been really good for us to have a third party come in and say, look, the contract says this, however, you know, in the interest of fair play, maybe we can work something out and we come to an agreement that way without getting a bunch of lawyers and a bunch of, uh, uh courtrooms involved.
4: Yeah, I'd like to add something to that if I could. This is John Engates. Um the, uh, you know, the idea of a contract or an SLA, uh, you know, our philosophy on that is it's, a, you know, the relationship between a, a customer and a, and a provider is a, is a bit like a marriage. You know, if you're referring to a legal document in a marriage, you've got some serious problems, and you really, it's you know, at that point, uh, it's kind of almost too far gone. If you're if you're at that point, and we sort of think the same way about about the relationship between us and our customers, we don't really want to be referring to the uh, nitpick points inside of a a contract or a legal document. We we oftentimes err on the side of you know if if the customer thinks we're wrong we're probably wrong and and we don't really uh spend a lot of time you know defending and arguing ourselves uh you know whether whether who was right who was wrong because at that point it starts to really uh you know it, it really has some serious ramifications for the the relationship between the two parties and so uh we don't really want to get to that point i think um, uh you know uh, tom's right in terms of you know how how it plays out sometimes very very rarely do we ever get into a legal situation, but that's really the exception and not the rule.
5: No. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, Sandra, I was just going to also chime in that the challenge, and you touched on this earlier, uh, is is that there aren't always really two parties. Even though there's the client and you consider them one party, the client is made up of a business process owner who probably really wants that cloud service right away because they've got a business need to fulfill. But it's also made up of there are procurement folks, and there are legal folks, and there are risk management folks who are only thinking about the risk side and not the benefit side. And then there's the IT folks who are thinking about the technical side and the vendor management folks, et cetera. So, um, you know, I I always try to tell my folks, you know, um, have a team in place on your side. Each one of those folks is going to be like, you know, the blind men and the elephant, seeing different parts of it, and and that's their jobs, and that that makes sense. But they have to come to a consensus of all the different parts to be able to. Uh, speak with one voice to the vendor, right? But that's just an additional challenge.
3: Now, with with all the challenges that you're finding, do you think we are somehow able to get by? Um, uh, so, so John, a question for you: Do you think, with with uh, all the different instances that you might hear, whether with you as a cloud provider or anyone else, somehow uh, do you think the the cloud is getting provision and life is beautiful?
4: Well, you know, we're always getting better. We're always improving. We're always learning. Every day, every new customer we interact with, we learn something new and we adapt. And I think the cloud is the same. The cloud is, uh, you know, it, at the beginning, it is, it is, you know, relatively plain vanilla. There's one one or two providers with one or two service offerings. They look pretty much the same. I think what happens over time is that we start to see specific service offerings that are tailored to a specific customer, you might have a cloud that's well suited for uh one industry uh you know maybe government maybe banking maybe uh you know healthcare you start to see people uh, create clouds and create service offerings that are are really um uh, tailored to those industries and that will help with the adoption of cloud computing i think we we can't assume that the whole world is going to go to, uh, uh, you know, a plain vanilla cloud. It's a little bit like Henry Ford's car back in the uh, early 1900s. It's, you know, it, it was one one car, one color, you know, and, and over time what we've seen is that people need different kinds of cars. They need trucks. They need SUVs. And I think the cloud is a bit a bit the same as that. We need to have different flavors and different, um, uh, you know, different offerings to suit the different needs.
6: Yeah, and this is Tom Stroud. I just want to interject there a little bit. We typically look as much at cultural fit when we select a cloud provider as anything else. And, and we have bypassed others that have come in much cheaper, but who we felt, you know, it didn't fit, you know, our culture and gone with someone who's been a little bit more expensive, but uh, has a, a little bit better cultural fit for us as an organization. Now,
3: what do you, th- I mean, if somebody were to ask, what does cultural fit has to do with someone who's not going to touch your organization inside?
6: They may be well, just
3: a delivery service.
6: If you're providing me a service, you're, you're touching my organization, whether, whether you, you know, whether it's, uh, uh you know, at, at a multiple points in many cases. So I, I'll give you a perfect example of internet banking. You know, it's somewhat of a commodity now. It's somewhat, you know, there's a number of providers and, you know, you can go with a number of different players, but really when it comes along to it, you have a, uh, uh, your, 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 your members your customers have a, a, a huge reliance on that product and you know there are multiple pain points to be experienced so you 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 need someone who's got a similar culture to you you know if you've got a uh, uh I'll give you a perfect example you have a, a an organization that really prides itself on picking up that phone you're not going to you know you're not going to get five touch tones before you hit a person if that's the kind of organization you are internally which we are and that's the kind of cultural fit that you need to seek in the cloud if you know, and that that's just one, one example now
3: with that said now when we are looking at the the evolution of this relationship and expectation setting what is the next frontier what are you what are you expecting what's not there today or, or the level of uh, sophistication or the level of detail that we're looking at Tom Struan, this is a question for you what is left to be desired?
6: I'll uh, well, tell you the one thing that, that I think that that we're looking for uh, going forward from from our cloud providers is that <clears throat> not necessarily the, the, the flexibility, uh, you know, this whole be-all and end-all kind of approach, You know, but we're really looking for um, how can the, the cloud provider become more of a, a partner with us and really consider our pain their pain uh the evolution of that relationship is 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 uh more important to us from that point of view than it is the technology that they provide because the technology is going to continue to evolve uh that that that, that is just the nature of the the beast and it, because if it doesn't if that provider doesn't continue to evolve technologically you'll be forced to leave them no matter what how, how what kind of relationship you have with them but uh, the the relationships for us are more important in terms of the evolution. of.
3: Now, would you think, and Thomas, Tappler, this is a question for you. Do you think there are standards and benchmarks and, and other uh, yardsticks, if you will, that people have at least started working towards developing so that while one is to deliver technology as a cloud provider and also to consume it as an enterprise uh, out there, do you think this we are moving towards standardization of the procurement process as well where both sides eventually win and and also the risks are highlighted versus leaving it to individuals or that particular groups awareness from what the best is out there
5: well i do think there you know, again it comes back to this list of questions to ask and, and is there a way that each of us don't have to ask the same questions over and over again and the cloud vendor doesn't have to answer them over and over again um, there are some standards evolving in terms of uh questionnaires for infrastructure and security uh the cloud security alliance uh, has a questionnaire in, in this area and there's a shared assessments group has a questionnaire in this area and for example um, about uh, certifications for security and infrastructure right um, the cloud vendor doesn't want every one of their clients coming out there and auditing in person probably, right? Um, but the client wants to know that what the vendor says they have in place, they do have in place. You know, it, is there, you know, sort of third-party certification? There's no one standard, but some of them that are servicing are the ISO 27001, 27002 uh, for the federal government folks that, you know, the FIPS 200, you um, is one example, and even if you're not in the government, you can still leverage that certification as knowing, hey, maybe that still meets my needs, even if I'm not in the government and not required to go that route. Um, and then there's audits like the SSA E-16, Um Whichever one of those certifications or audits are happening, they all result in a report and you know, with details behind it, right? not just a seal of approval. So the client organization always wants to make sure that they have the right to get a copy of that report and review it to, so again, know at a granular le- level that uh, the vendor's infrastructure and security and practices, et cetera, are meeting their needs.
3: Now, um, if I were to come back to you, John, and say, tell me two or three gray areas which you still persistently struggle with.
4: Well, I think the, the the number one gray area is always the the handoff between a customer and RackSpace in terms of, uh, and really any provider, not just RackSpace, but any provider within you know sort of that level of responsibility. A lot of customers, um, you know, bring an application to us. They own the application, they wrote it, or they or a third party wrote it. Um, but there's a touch point between an application and infrastructure. That you know, sometimes it's at the operating system level. Sometimes it's at the um, the uh, application server. Sometimes it's where the database and the application server talk to one another. And you know, code that a customer brings to a, a cloud you know, may may perform differently than it did in in house. It may perform differently than it does at another cloud. And so that is really the, the probably the number one gray area is sort of that level of. Um, you know, uh, you know the gray area between what customer responsibility ends and where where provider begins. I think um, you know clearly spelling out that stuff up front is important. Having clear uh, guidelines between uh, between the two parties uh, or multiple parties if there's you know a third party developer in in uh, in, in the uh, relationship as well. Um, also, you know, kind of kind of who does what and in, in in terms of a response, like if if a Failure happens at three in the morning. What do you want us to do? How do you you want us to respond? And I think getting that defined, documented, and and, uh, and codified up front is the key to a successful relationship. There, and, and uh, it's something that we do with all of our large customers, our, our you know customers that have managed services with us, and uh, we found that that's the secret to success.
3: Now, when you say that, yeah, go ahead. That's all
4: I
7: got.
3: Go ahead. Okay all right so so when you say that these are the gray areas now do you think as your service offering or your other other provider cloud provider community service offering is changing do you yeah. think there are some areas that you already see are going to become pain points which you yourself will have to grapple with and or educate the customers with because i'm sure there are nuances in the way uh, different service offerings are are procured as well as provisioned And then, and then you will see that those will start creating. So, can you proactively prepare for
5: something like this?
4: Both sides. Look, I think what you have to have in place is is sort of a philosophy around how how this stuff is going to work between you and your customer. I think if you've got a general set of guidelines about how you want to operate, how you want to be transparent, how you want to communicate, any new offering that you create is sort of going to fall in line. I think um, you know if you're a company that. Has the right culture. I love that the, the topic of culture came up because culture is is extremely important to us. It's something that we spend a lot of time on here at Rackspace, and we do think that it leads to a better outcome. And so, once you have that foundation of culture in place, once you have some guiding principles and some, um, you know, some some things that your company is going to do no matter what kind of a service offering you you have or what changes in the environment. Well, that starts to um, you know give you those those uh, uh, you know sort of guideposts and those those pillars that are going to stand strong no matter what changes in the environment and I think that's what leads to great customer outcomes again having you know the the, the frontline employees knowing what to do in a situation knowing how the CEO would respond because he knows the the uh, you know the, the core values of the company those are going to be helpful if you're a company that is not very transparent if you're a company that doesn't like to uh, open the kimono and show what's going on behind the scenes and and a company that doesn't really communicate with customers then you know in a in a situation where things go wrong you're really um, you know at a loss because you don't have a relationship with the customer you don't have a way to really um communicate well with the customer there's no trust in you know in place and i think that's really where uh... you, you know you're going to see a difference between different providers if I could just add to, um,
5: you know. So you got,
3: you got 15 seconds, so you're just about to close, but yeah, go ahead,
5: please. Oh, okay. Um, you know, from folks who are new to this arena, it's important to keep in mind that adopting a cloud computing service does entail a paradigm shift, right, from a technically managed solution where we build and maintain it ourselves on the client side to a contractually managed solution where we're now paying someone else to do it for us. And this does surface a new set of risks requiring IT vendor management skills on the client side and you know, understanding new methodologies to mitigate these risks.
3: Thank you so much, Thomas, Tom, and John, for sharing your thoughts. I'm sure there are a number of nuances which still we need to hash out, and there will be gray areas, but overall it looks like the provider and the, the consumer community, which is enterprise IT, are trying to work together to make this a successful affair. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, listeners, hope you got something out of this. Hope you'll be doing better cloud negotiations with your providers and also providers will do better with your uh, enterprise IT customers. If you have any questions or uh, comments, please send us to views at ciotalkradio.com. That is views at ciotalkradio.com. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless.
2: Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sunjogal next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio.
1: CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix. Offering GoToAssist, remote support made easy. CIO Talk Radio is sponsored by HP Data Center Services, Cloud Computing Services, and Workplace 360 Services. Are you ready for an instant-on world?